You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. His thing was, he was always like, oh, I'm, you, you never let me taste your meat, et cetera, and so on. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I, I, you're such a hard marker when it comes to that kind of thing. I needed to perfect it in order to make sure that it was okay for him. It's Wes. Scar the man for life. And Walker. No, I think that's fair. I think you needed to perfect your meat before Fiddy ate it. Sure. I think that's totally fair. <laughs> and not in any way crazy or inappropriate. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. Hey, look <laughs> at my juicy brisket. Look at it. I wonder if Jeff's heard that rejoin yet, and I wonder if he's thinking, ah, maybe we take that one off. <laughs> little, little close for comfort, but I know Fiddy likes it, and it's his favorite when he can go from this rejoin to then going with Billy Joel. I have to imagine this is what kicked your Friday off, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Jeff's heard it. Has he complained about it? Look, man, it's just a running joke. Willie made dry brisket, and we brought it to the air, and... After he put it in the microwave for like four and a half minutes, he finally had some juicy meat for me to eat. That's right. That's right. We'll move on. Let's go to the text <laughs> line, too. Here's another one. Here's a good Wake Forest, what if he stayed guy. This is a good one, I think. 704 writes in, feels like if John Collins stayed one more year at Wake, maybe they build on what they had and Danny Manning is still there. Not that I dislike oh Forbes, but it felt like that killed any momentum that he was in the building and I can hear the joke already. If that's the case, then you're kind of glad John Collins left if it means Danny Manning was uh, yeah, staying. Yeah, I won't say that I'm glad John Collins left. And, and Danny Manning, you know, I liked him a lot as a person, but I just don't know if that would have changed what was inevitable or inevitably coming for Wake Forest under Danny Manning. What you got, Fiddy? By the way, during the break, we were talking about Alan Majors' hairline. Oh, yeah. Colin sent me a photo of it. You've never seen it before. I've never. I mean, I'm not going to act like I cared about Charlotte's basketball head coach's hairline. This is. He gives me hope. Wow. Like, I look at his hairline compared to mine. I ain't doing so bad. That thing's on the back side of his head. Now, the thing about his hairline, though, was that he had a very good head of hair once you got past the hairline. Like he How wasn't do you get ba- past it. You can't. That's that's correct. <laughs> it's on the back side of his head. It is, but it's like it's growing perfectly from what I remember. But everybody talked about that man's hairline. Yeah, man, it when- was tough. Like I said, we used to call him RoboCop. It's <laughs> <laughs> a big old hairline, man. Alan Major could recruit very well, got a lot of talent, hairline and all. And then eventually that talent would leave for Division One programs like USC and people would go to Illinois. We got a lot of people leaving, like NC State, too. Yeah, he could recruit very well, but then they would just leave. And that was always the problem with Alan Major on top of his hairline. I mean, I just don't even know why he kept it. Like, what are you holding on to at that point, man? Like I said, <clears> when you <throat> get to that point, just cut it off. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, I got to get this beard right before... Before I, sh- I shaved the head, you know, and I haven't I haven't shaved my beard like in three weeks. So maybe I'm in that phase where I just start letting it grow the way that Wes wants it to let it grow before I mm-hmm. clean off the dome and become Mr. Clean Bean. Same. <laughs> Same thing for me, by the way. I actually survived my Queens broadcast on Wednesday. The oh, beard wow. survived. And seconds. I don't know if it's going to be here on Friday. I don't, I don't know. My girlfriend's not enjoying it. 
she made a comment yesterday. I see you're still growing your beard out. I'm like, yeah, it looks like you don't care. <laughs> no, she did not. For sure. Those were words that were uttered to me. Come on, Oat. I know. I know. I got to try to figure it out. Maybe I trim it a little bit, but I'm still going to see exactly what kind of beard I can grow when I give 100%. Are you am I going to a barber to get it trimmed? I know you do get haircuts. They would laugh at me. They would laugh at me. No, you got enough to trim it. Because you'd be surprised what they can do with clippers and how it can make your hair look. Because I've gone in with, like, the lights, uh, I guess you call it 12 o'clock shadow, something that was really light. And then my barber, once he would get done with it, I was like, man, he was able to do that with that little bit of hair. So uh, I think if you got a barber to, to trim it right, it looked good. All right. Um, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Probably not, but maybe I will just to see if I can be looking right out here with a beard. Time now for the Live Wire with J.D. Marlowe. <laughs> All right, so yesterday we spent uh, the 220 segment talking about the Niners' decision to fire Steve Wilkes because it was pretty wild that the defensive coordinator of a team in the Super Bowl lost his job. Well, America's long snapper, J.J. Jansen, he joined Mac and Bone yesterday morning, and he agreed with us that it just didn't make a whole lot of sense that Kyle Shanahan moved on from his former interim head coach. We saw it in the playoffs. There was certainly an, a weakness in the run defense that was exposed in the in the first two playoff games. But I thought San Francisco played fantastic on defense in the Super Bowl. A ton of tenacity. They held Mahomes to 19 points. Seven of those came off of a, a ball off the heel on a punt. Like, they outplayed. You know, this is the tough part about football. San Francisco, for four quarters on defense, outplayed Kansas City's defense. Second, you know, four, or uh, overtime goes, they kick a field goal, Mahomes scores a touchdown, and in the aftermath of the game, San Francisco's defense, who played better, they fire their D, D coordinator, and the Chiefs give their D coordinator, uh, Steve Spagnuolo, an extension. That's, yeah. That is the ruthlessness of this, of this job. Yeah. Steve Wilkes is a fantastic coach. They played really well on defense. They did struggle a little bit in the second half of the season, but I would also argue that the second half of the season, they played much better offenses and much better quarterbacks. People say, well, this isn't a scapegoat. I don't know if it is. I don't know what's going on inside that building. But I would just ask, if they win the Super Bowl, are they firing Steve Wilkes? Wes, you said you were okay and fine with the move. Do you agree with J.J.'s assessment that – their defense outplayed Kansas City's for at least the regulation period of the Super Bowl? I mean, that's a tough question to answer because I, I think that Kansas City's defense definitely, uh, you know, even though San Francisco has some busts on the offensive line and things of that nature, but I felt like they got stops when need be. And I feel like when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, when you hold a team to a field goal, it is a stop. And uh, they would definitely have been but don't break type of defense because we saw in the opening drive, San Francisco went right down the field, but then they get the fumble. Um, you know, and so late in the game, they got stops that were field goals, even though they gave up the touchdown uh, that put San Francisco ahead at first. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is a ruthless position. And like you said, you look at a guy like Dan Campbell, who the performance they had in the Super Bowl, I mean, not in the Super Bowl, but in the playoffs, and then he gets a head coaching job. But I just will maintain that I don't think that this was just a, a Super Bowl situation or a playoff situation. I think that – you look at the totality of the season and all the different things that tra transpired. I just don't think it was a fit. And then it culminated in a loss in the Super Bowl. I think if 
they win the game, they bring back Wilkes, but I still think there's some awkwardness and the fit may not be where they want it to be. But I just don't think it was a great fit from the beginning as far as culturally with the players and uh, you know, with the staff, and I think that's why the move was made. Well, that's that's the part that's interesting, though. If San Francisco wins and we think Steve Wilkes comes back, then are we really talking about just the one play on special teams where San Francisco can't field it? Ray Ray McLeod doesn't jump on it. It does. The football doesn't hit. Or maybe Ray Ray McLeod does jump on it after the football hits the foot of one of the special teams players. And then San Francisco gets possession and at the very least is able to flip the field. Because even if you go three and out, you can punt it further away than 11 yards out, which is what the touchdown reception was for Valdez Scantling. Like if that doesn't happen and maybe the 49ers win, then Steve Wilkes keeps his job. And to me, like that just doesn't it's not logical. Like it doesn't make sense to me. So I get it if. Steve Wilkes and Kyle Shanahan couldn't get on the same page the entire year. That's all fine. But it does feel like when J.J. asked, is Steve Wilkes coming back as a Super Bowl champion? If they win, is he back as D.C.? I do think that's true. Like Spencer Spencer Hall, college football writer, he calls this a big old stupid dumb game. Because, right, like football just can't explain some stuff sometimes, right? When we came in and we talked about the Super Bowl – we didn't really have a real point to and say, all right, it was Brock Purdy's fault. Well, no, I didn't do anything special. He's pretty good. Brock Purdy's pretty good in this game. All right, well, the defense, they performed so well until those last two drives, they gave up a field goal to Pat Mahomes, and then they gave up the touchdown in overtime. But goodness gracious, it's Pat Mahomes. They played pretty well. They played excellently so in the first half. All right, well, they didn't go for it on fourth down, but they kicked the field goal. Then you have the missed extra point. What if Moody hits the extra point? What if he gets that football up in the air and doesn't lowball it, allowing Kansas City to block it? It's just, man, a big old stupid dumb game, which we all love. One play, like one instance, gets a guy fired, despite going as far as you possibly can, except for one other team who eventually wins it in overtime. Yeah, man, it just feels like a lot to fire somebody because of it. What you got, Fitty? Earlier this week, we uh, we mentioned in, in, in passing that the ACC tournament after this year will be in North Carolina. For the next five years, uh, splitting time between Greensboro and Charlotte. And earlier this week, Eric Spanberg from the Charlotte Business Journal, he joined the KB Show to tell us why the ACC made that decision. They have come to recognize that this event still feels special when it's in North Carolina, and it feels different when it's here compared to anywhere else. And I know people are going to say, well, yeah, but it used to be they rolled in the TV when you're like, I get it. You know, times have changed, but. It is still an event in in North Carolina, unlike the way it is viewed anywhere else. You mean that a conference with four teams from the Tar Heel State cares more about the basketball conference tournament than a, you know, Brooklyn, New York, or Washington, D.C. teams, areas that have maybe one or two teams to represent? And they didn't even get it all the way right, Walker, because the 75th ACC tournament, guess where it's going to be played? Where? Charlotte. Like, how hard is it to just put it back in Greensboro permanently? Like, I like when it's here. It's cool when it's in our backyard. But its rightful home is in Greensboro. And just when I want to give Jim Phillips an ounce of credit, he can't even get it all the way right. It's like, nah, I can't say that. But I am glad to see that it's going to be in North Carolina for the next five years. 
<laughs> that was quite the roller coaster going through your mind and trying to figure out what you could say. I don't mind it being in Charlotte as much, but I do like Greensboro being very heavy into the rotation. I would love that for it to never leave Greensboro in, you know, more than like what, a three year stretch of time, maybe even less than that, maybe every other year or something like that to go back to Greensboro. But I do love it here in Charlotte. It's when you start to go way too far from the roots. It's when you start to go to Brooklyn and even D.C. without Maryland being there. Those two cities hosting the ACC tournament, that's where it feels a little weird. And I know you have Virginia and Virginia Tech in the area with a D.C. location. But even still, nobody's going to, oh, this ACC tournament right in the heart of ACC country there in our nation's capital or in Brooklyn, New York. Yeah, man, that's where it has. That's where I have a problem with. Why Why are you doing it? Like Big Ten plays it at Indianapolis and they have it set. ACC plays in the state of North Carolina or somewhere here that actually cares more about ACC basketball and you got everything set. It feels like they could do that and it would be a lot better. So I'm glad that it's going to be in the state of North Carolina. I'm not going to be picky and choosy and just say, hey, now we need to go all the way to just Greensboro. Yeah, uh, I'm with Fiddy, but I'll, you know, I'm all for Charlotte or Greensboro, one of the two. Um, you know, the out of town ones, of course, for me, you know, I do enjoy some of the trips, but uh, and I think Brooklyn puts it on a brighter stage but i think we're past the point now with so much tv exposure that you don't need to have your tournament and all these other markets to try to gain eyes from different television markets and things like that and fans in different cities i think the acc's reach uh, is without question but you know i don't mind it being in charlotte i think charlotte or greensboro i'm okay with that that'll do it for the live wire with fitty marlowe we have the All-Star break to talk about coming up next. Brandon Miller and the Rising Stars Challenge. What do we expect from him? It's coming up on Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. And this is this week's Black History Hero. And for this one, we're going to double back just a little bit. Because last year, we did talk about Don Barksdale being the first black NBA All-Star. But did you also know, very fitting for this weekend, as we talk about college basketball and the lineup and what we're going to watch each and every Saturday. He was also the first black college basketball All-American. He wasn't allowed to play on his Berkeley high school basketball team. He was said to have sharpened his basketball skills in neighborhood parks, but by the time he arrived at College of Marin, he was a formidable player. He helped lead the team to the California Junior College Championship in both 1942 and 43. So it looks like he was... Uh, he could have been cast in the first adaptation of Last Chance U way back in the day playing a little junior college basketball. Took a scholarship to play at UCLA where he helped end a 42-game losing streak against rival USC before joining the U.S. Army to serve in World War II. He returned to UCLA and led the team to a championship in the 1946-47 season. That year, Barksdale was the first African-American consensus NCAA All-American basketball player in 1948, he was the first black member of the U.S. Olympic basketball team, a team that did win the gold medal. He was the third leading scorer on the team. And in 1949, he was voted outstanding U.S. basketball player. In 1950, he was one of the first four black players to be taken in the NBA draft. 
He also played and was the first uh, African-American to play in the NBA All-Star Game in 1953. Upon his retirement from basketball, he was a pioneering entrepreneur in the entertainment industry. He was the first African-American San Francisco Bay Area disc jockey and later television host. He moderated a program called Sepia Review that featured big-name black entertainers of the day, such as Duke Ellington, Count Bozzi, Nat King Cole, Sammy Davis Jr., and Louis Armstrong. He would eventually open his own recording studio. He founded Save High School Sports, a fundraising effort in Oakland to support local athletes threatened by a budget crunch in the 80s. So this was a man that was certainly historic and trailblazing in many different facets. First black college All-American, first black member of the U.S. Olympic team, one of the first black players to be drafted into the NBA and the first African-American to play in the NBA All-Star game. So salute to Don Barksdale. Don Barksdale making the 1953 NBA All-Star game. Some of the names are crazy. George Mikan played in this All-Star game. And if you look at some of the other guys that are on this list, Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman, Dolph Shays, and those are the only names I feel like people would know. Everybody else is kind of under. Regardless, uh, they were all ballers. <laughs> <laughs> only those are the deep cuts that you would have. But yes, all ballers. And so I was trying to figure out what were some of the legendary names. I feel like most people go all the way back to George Mikan and don't have a whole lot of names for you pre-George Mikan. And so now we're going back real far if we start to see him included in a bunch of these all-star games. No doubt about it. So we will enjoy watching college basketball this weekend and NBA All-Star Weekend. So let's get right into it and let's get this, get this thing cracking. Talking about the Panini Rising Stars team rosters. Now the format, they do this differently. They play a series of games and it's kind of like a single elimination tournament, if I'm not mistaken. And then the two best teams play each other uh, for the championship. And you've got different teams. You've got Team Powell. You've got Team Tamika, Team Jalen, and you got Team Detlef. So I'm guessing this is Tamika Catchings, Detlef oh, yeah. Shrimp, Jalen Rose, and Powell Gasol, my guy. And that is the team that Brandon Miller will be playing on alongside Victor Wembanyama, Brandon Pajemski, Pudzins, Jaime Hakez, Jabari Smith, Kaysan Wallace, and Bilal Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Okay, so that will be the team that Brandon Miller will be playing on. So this should be a very fun event to watch. I mean, Team Tamika's headlined by Paolo Bancaro. Team Jalen is highlighted by Chet Holmgren. And Team Detlef is highlighted by uh, a lot of G League guys and guys that are on the come up. Obviously, it's called the uh, Rising Skills Game. But Alondis Williams from Wake Forest will be on Team Detlef, as well as Imani Bates, uh, who was an injury replacement, and Mac McClung. So uh, those are some of the guys that will be playing in this game. But Team Powell with Victor and Brandon Miller, I mean, in my mind, they've got to be the favorite to be able to take this thing home. What do you think uh, Brandon Miller is going to do in this setting tonight? Well, I, I think he has the opportunity to put on a show. Because Brandon Miller is a fantastic shooter, even when people are actually really playing defense. And I don't expect that, even in this elimination tournament. You'll probably see more defense. I do like the minigame aspect. All-Star Weekend is a time to get crazy, folks. 
and I'm here for all of the crazy. Maybe sometimes you need to bring it on home like they did with the East-West format rather than having two stars, the leading vote-getters, become the captains and then choose the team. I thought that was fun, but then it felt weird because they didn't televise the draft at first, and then it felt like nobody wanted to be the last pick. I thought it would be more fun like that. I digress. We start to look at this game. Brandon Miller, if he's hitting shots from 40 feet out, 35 more likely, with real defense, then Wes, he might be doing some Caitlin Clark shots out there. And then he and Wimby on the same squad, lobbing it up to one another, both number one and number two overall draft picks, crossing you up at that size, 6'9", that's fun. But then to see it from 7'5", those guys, man, taking the baton in order to carry the future of the NBA could be something we look back on like 30 years from now. Hey, remember when these two guys played their first game together and the Rising Stars Challenge? Could be very cool. Yeah, man. And I think the difference for this team, for them to win it, is going to be the guard play. I mean, I think in the front court, as far as the wings, I mean, obviously you got Wimby, who's going to come out there and do his thing. And then Jaime Hawkins in the backcourt, Jamari Smith. Jabari Smith is a guy uh, that's still showing flashes of why he was such a top draft pick. But I think Kaysan Wallace and uh, Mr. Bilal Koulibaly are going to be the guys that are going to be the main difference for them because – uh, I, I think this is a great tandem. I think Brandon Miller is going to play really well. I think his confidence has got to be soaring right now with everything that you've seen from him. I know that uh, I saw the quote from him. He said he's just going to be throwing lobs to Wimby all day just to see how crazy that can be and how many he can connect on him with. Fiddy, will you be partaking in watching the Rising Stars? And what do you expect from Brandon Miller in this contest? Ball on tee. Um. <laughs> I think I'll be passing. Okay. All right. I hope he performs well, but um, even if there was a Nick participating, don't know if it could get me to watch. You'd probably have to give me a Carolina rookie to have my eyes or a sophomore to even maybe consider watching said event. Is there any event that you would tune into? Like if it's, if it's third TV action in your three TV room, third TV wide open for business. Slam dunk contest making it? Um, tomorrow, I will have the festivities on because I, the dunk contest, even though it's been bad the majority of my life, you still watch because you don't want to miss if it ever has the revival. I'm interested in how they're going to do the three-point shootout with Steph and um, Sabrina. Sabrina. I'm not going to try the last name. Anescu. Anescu. Like, that's interesting to me. Like Saturday night, I will watch. And then I always watch the All-Star game just to see how – bad the defense is in the all-star game compared to the regular season all right there's your uh, nba breakdown from jd knew what we were getting <laughs> as soon as you asked him all right so moving on to a uh, saturday and uh you know we'll start with the skills challenge the participants you have team pacers there's tyrese halliburton benedict matherin miles turner team top picks has paolo benquero anthony edwards aka ant-man and Wemby and Team All-Stars has Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and uh, Trey Young in this contest. And so uh, if I was to pick a winner in this one, I'd probably go top picks just because I like all three of these guys a lot. I think all three of them are highly skilled. But then the Team All-Stars kind of makes me leery because I think Trey Young, this is an event. He and Tyrese Maxey, you know, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to go Team All-Stars, even though they don't have uh, – some of the the young, young star power that some of these guys possess. But I think that 
Tyrese Maxey and Trey Young, I think their games, the way they pass and shoot and the handles that they have, I think they're tailor-made for a competition like this. I always pick shooting for the skills challenge because if you get hung up on the top of the key three, yeah. you're cooked. It's all about hitting that first, maybe second three, you can get away with it. Scotty Barnes, not the best shooter. If mm. Scotty Barnes can shoot, then maybe Tyrese and Trey can bring it on home. Benedict Matherin, he's the guy that I'm a little scared of as to why I might not pick the Pacers, but I'm still going to roll with the man. This is tailor-made for Tyrese Halliburton, who can shoot with the best of them and also is the leading assist getter, I believe, still in the NBA. Miles Turner, one of the best shooting bigs in the NBA, plus home court, home court advantage. Is it a thing in the skills challenge? My thing about the skills challenge, by the way, I don't know if you have the same thought process. It feels like we could have, I don't know, upgraded from the weird tube things that they're throwing the basketballs in. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we could get with the 21st century a little bit more so. <laughs> I mean, they've been using the same equipment for the last 20 years. It feels like we could use some fun graphics. The skills challenge, it's a like, okay appetizer, but it's still the least watched thing, right? Like, not including Celebrity All-Star Game, which is just atrocious, and I don't know the YouTube content creators that make up 50% of the roster anymore. I just know that the skills challenge, while it's cool a little bit, don't really get down with watching it as much as the three-point contest and the slam dunk contest. I can't lie, though. Uh, celebrity basketball game was definitely a bucket list thing for me, though. I've always looked at that and said that's something I'd like to participate in one day. Why are you speaking about it in past tense? It's still alive. It is. That it is. You could still be a star and make the <laughs> list one day. I think if we tried hard enough, I know you want to be a part of the wrestling world a little bit more so. Uh-huh. I know also you want this show to have big, big dreams, too. Pat McAfee status. Pat McAfee going to be making an appearance. I'm sure he will. So if we get to the Wes Bryant show where we're all just one of your 14 producers, <laughs> maybe one day Wes no, can be an all-star. No, it would, it would be all of us, game. and then you would be in it, too. And Fiddy would be in it because they would bring up his church league antics on mm -hmm. the show, so they would put him in the game as well. So that would be very interesting. He'd be in a knee brace, though, because his ACL just yeah. wasn't there anymore. Yeah. I, I want to coach the celebrities. That's what I want to do. You know, because you'd be out there trying to coach like it's the Final Four, and, you know, you'd be doing too much. You'd be you'd be yelling at Jason Sudeikis. Yeah. <laughs> Jason, get the rebound! <laughs> You're out! <laughs> All right, three-point contest. Uh, Malik Beasley, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton. This is an interesting feel. Uh, Damian Lillard, Laurie. Markinen, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young. Uh, I think as far as how they shoot it, I think Carl Anthony Towns has the type of form and the way he shoots that set shot of his that I think he would be good in a contest like this. Give me the big man, Carl Anthony Towns, to take the three-point contest. Yeah, it's a long way to go grab that basketball, Wes. You didn't think about that. Come on now. you got to be short. <laughs> you got to be close enough to the rack to where you can continue to grab the basketball and then let more shots fly. So with Cat, it's going to be way too long. You're talking about what? Probably a second save. But even with rack. his long arms, he can't reach down and get the ball a little quicker? It's just a long way up. Mm, I get you. You can grab the basketball still, but it's a long way up to shoot. And so that's not going to happen with the quick releases of some. Now, Tyrese Halliburton, I'm trying to think of who won it last year. I'll pull up the Damian history. Lillard. Tyrese Halliburton has the funky shot. He almost brings it to the side and mm -hmm. loads too much. I would think that home court advantage might help him here, but I don't like that shot either. I think the guy that I'm going to roll with in the shooting contest, I think the guy I'm going to roll with is I'm trying to bring it back up, but I think maybe Damian Lillard again. I think he repeats. Yeah, he, he would have been my other choice for this. It's not been great this year, though. 
Trey Young, too, maybe. Now, nah, give me Dame. I'm going Dame Lillard. All right. Uh, Steph. Steph and Curry. They're going to have their own three-point contest. Steph and Curry, Sabrina, Inescu are going to battle this thing out. Uh, WNBA three-point champion Sabrina Inescu. She set the highest score of all time last summer with 37 points. Woo, this is this is a good one. I got to go Queen City, though. I'm always going to pick Steph in a contest like this, man. But I think this is going to be a good one. And I think Inescu is going to give him a run for his money. The only thing is Sabrina actually struggled shooting come out of college. But now it's completely revamped. So I wonder if Steph has just been doing this for so long. Even out of Davidson, the guy was viewed as a crazy shooter coming into the league. Yeah. Maybe just that foundation is the difference. I'll go Steph as well, but Sabrina, Steph, it'll be a lot of fun to see both of these two go at it. All right, dunk contest, uh, Jalen Brown, Jaime Hikes. He's going to be a busy man uh, during All-Star Weekend. Mac McClung and Jacob Toppin. Give me Mac McClung to repeat. Uh, he plays for the Osceola Magic. So I'm going to feel like that this is everything for him and that he's going to get into this contest. And I think he's going to work really hard. And I think he has been working really hard to come up with some new dunks because this is his key to stardom. It's not like he's going to break in and become some big time NBA player. I'm not going to say never, but I think this is a lot means a lot to him. And I think he'll come out and perform as such. Give me Mac McClung to hold it down. No, really yet again should serve as a real spark for Osceola to make the play in tournament. I'm going to go Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown being a star that's actually competing. Yeah. I want him to win just so other NBA players like legit, not like Obi Toppin. Now nah, we got his brother though. <laughs> <laughs> How about we just get some guys that are actually participating, uh, participating in the all-star game, but they never want to do it. And I'm glad Jalen Brown's participating. Jaime Hawkeyes participating is still fun. So at least you have two guys that people have heard of before. Mac McClung, the only reason you've heard of him is because of what he did in the slam dunk contest last year. I know he was fun at Georgetown, but he's not an NBA player. Yeah, man, Mac McClung, this is his thing, but I'm going Jalen Brown. I think he wants to do it right for the actual players that make all NBA teams. All right, uh, Sunday, listen, man, I still, you know, enjoy the all-star game. I know the defense isn't great until the end when they really have everything on the line, but I still enjoy seeing that collection of great players get together and play uh, for MVP this year. Give me Luka Doncic. Uh, I think it's just his time to get it. He's just been karate chopping people all year long. I mean, averaging 34 a game, almost 10 assists. I mean, he's almost averaging a triple-double, 8.8 rebounds, 9.5 assists, 34 points a game. I think Luka's going to come out there Sunday and put on a show. Uh, Halliburton was going to be my pick, but I think he's a young guy, and young guys kind of have to earn their keep because this is his First All-Star game, if I'm not mistaken. Halliburton, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, normally first-year guys don't come in and kill it like that. The vets kind of take precedence. So give me Luka Doncic for All-Star MVP. It, uh, Luka, it, he's going crazy right now. So I do like that pick for uh, All-Star game MVP. Did you pick a winner on the West or the East? Did you decide who? I guess West if you're picking Luka. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me the Western Conference to get that thing done. It feels like the West should win. I mean, Jokic, KD, SGA, LeBron is your starting five. Your reserves, you got books. What if if SGA just Mm. comes out and wants it to be his year entirely? He could. I'll go Shea. You know, that's my guy. Let me give me Shea Gilgis Alexander to come out and try to go for. 
I don't think he's going to be able to accomplish everything like that, but he's second in the odds to win MVP for the regular season, which is crazy. Nikola Jokic is number one. Oklahoma City is up there towards the Western Conference standings. I believe they're the two seed now, but they're kind of interchanging alongside Minnesota. And so if he can win All-Star Game MVP, maybe win regular season MVP, mess around, make the NBA Finals, like are the Thunder really good like that? That will be interesting. And so maybe SGA just goes for the crazy special season that a lot of players haven't accomplished before. I mean, this Western Conference bench is outstanding. I mean, obviously it's the All-Star Game, so they're going to be great players on both sides, but... Booker, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Cat. That's a sick uh, bench, man. So, Do you yeah. like going back east-west instead of the teams selecting, uh, instead of the captains? Yeah, I do. I I, I like it. Um, you know, it, I mean, like I said, it's going to be great players regardless, so I guess it didn't matter to me that much on either side, but I'm cool with them going back to the eastern-western format for back in the day. What I'm not cool with is those uniforms. I think these uniforms... Oh, man, they're way better than we usually get. Usually they're terrible. You You like the ones this year. The pinstripes are way better than what we usually get. I'm not even saying they're straight fire. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you that. <laughs> what I am telling you is that usually these uniforms are terrible, and I feel like these are actually a step above. Do you... Uh, did you have any thought of going back to the crib and, and going for All-Star Weekend? Because I know that's home for you. I'll text Jeff and see if he can expense it. <laughs> By the way, sorry, just some cleanup. We have a couple of cleanups here. Sean the Tar Heel fan says, excuse me, gentlemen, this is Halliburton's second All-Star I, I appearance. thought I was wondering if it was his first or his second. And Cat has already won a three-point contest as well. Uh, yeah, but he's more. older now. It's still a long time to go pick that basketball up. Two years is a big old difference. <laughs> All right, well, when we come back, folks, we're going to tell you what we're watching, and we're going to close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wrapping up on Wesson Walker on a Friday, getting you to the weekend. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Make sure you stay tuned for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig coming up in just a moment. It's been a fun show. We've talked about ringtones. We've talked about the what if he stayed guys for your favorite college basketball team. And we've talked about plenty of things. Bryce Young, favorite dunks and dunk contest history. Big time a text line show today. So thank you for contributing. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate it. 704-570-9610. That's the FanDuel text line. Time now for the week that was with Josh Fitty Marlowe. All right, guys. Um, so the first highlight. <laughs> I think it was, was it Monday or Tuesday that I, I really started forcing the JD thing and how my middle name is Dylan and someone had texted in that Dylan was a universal name for uh, males and females and uh, Walker asked me how many female Dylans I knew I said not many but I didn't know a female Dillian and uh, (laughs) chaos ensued like I haven't heard I haven't seen too many women named Dylan I know a couple but not many and so that's why I was interested to see if you guys have seen or met other women named Dylan before. Yeah, I don't I've think never I have. met a woman named Dylan. You haven't, but you have. Finn. I don't think I have. I mean, maybe a Dillian, but not a Dylan. <laughs> please, please. 
<laughs> Dillion. Tell me <laughs> where in the world you met a Dillion. Oh, I haven't met her. <laughs> I don't even know what that... Okay, you're saying now I'm worried because now it feels like Dillion exists and I don't know. I want to know how she exists. Oh, she, she exists. Oh, my God. <laughs> you are such a problem. <laughs> you are such a problem. Walker, full disclosure. Oh, I know. When did you know what I was talking about? Because at first, I don't think you knew. But when oh, I... no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, okay, this is, so can... when, did it, when did it click? I didn't know what you were talking about at first. And I think Wes was laughing because Dillian is such a ridiculous name. I've never yeah. heard anybody call Dillian before. When you said in that tone, <laughs> oh, she exists, I knew exactly what was going on. And I realized I needed to move on. And yet we just needed to, re okay, we needed to call you a problem a couple of times before we moved on. But I knew then once you said, oh, she exists. <laughs> Boom. Because with you, Fitty, there's not too many exits you have to take in order to get to that type of conversation. Right. It's always a fear with Josh Fitty Marlowe on the mic. What else you got? All right. So one of our favorite shows collectively is Valentine's Day. Um, you know, we're all just in great moods, all three of us that have healthy relationships in their lives. And, uh, but this year, Valentine's Day fell on a Wednesday and Wednesday, well, we war cry and this Wednesday we Valentine war cry. So this is different for everybody at the intersection in your cubicle. Yeah, this might be a little bit different than what you're used to for War Cry Wednesday. I apologize to Ms. McClurkin's class if this is a little different for you, yeah. but it's Valentine's Day, and so we're going to bring the love in the air. That's All what right. we're going to try to do. War Cry Wednesday at the count of three. Everybody contribute as best you can. One, two, three. It's Valentine's Day. Uh, War Cry Wednesday. <laughs> that one is my favorite we've had a lot of great war cries but that is the one that's just a little bit softer so i don't know if we even need to warn anybody after that yeah i don't think so <laughs> no or before we do that we don't need to warn a soul we just need to go ahead and impress you with all of our sultry tones that's right give you the dj voice and i feel like we could form a boy band together i feel like all of us could do that a little r&b name our boy band we could we could figure that out I would love to do it. Instead of Joe to see, I was thinking like JD. I was trying to figure that out, mm. but I, it, it didn't really work out. All right, last one. What you got, Fiddy? I have a feeling I know what's coming up, but feel free to surprise me. What's the last Ooh, sound really? Because if you're, I don't think you, what do you think's coming up next? Well, if I bring it up, then you're going to regret not bringing it back. You're I know that. You're probably right. Is it my story that I told at the end of well, the show? Well, I did pull the story, but the story was a minute and like a half long. Like a minute fifty long. You can cut it, but well, but it was a right. great story. Okay, but, so it's uh, not that. Before the story, you did use some sultry, salty, salty. Damn it! Y'all did use <laughs> great DJ voices to start the third hour on Valentine's Day, and I think it it set the mood for the final hour of the show. I wanna see you. 
Yeah, this is a must. I want a This is the last hour of Wes and Walker. Right <laughs> There's nobody I'd want listening to this show more than you, baby. <laughs> Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7. Just like the degrees up in here, it's getting hot. That's right, baby. Gonna make you sweat just like the sounds you're hearing right now. One key sweat. So grab that lady next to you. Grab your significant Hold her other. tight. Hold her tight. Hold them tight and tell them that you love them because it's Valentine's Day here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. <laughs> and uh, maybe when you, you were grabbing her and holding her tight, maybe you told her. Girl, you are so fine. Yeah. Was her name Dillian? Yeah, she was not. And maybe you followed with. I could drink a tub of your bathwater. Then I combined them, Walker. Girl, you are so fine. I could drink a tub of your bathwater. Your drops are the best. That is me telling a story of a love letter I wrote as an 8-year-old to a 10-year-old using a Steve Harvey pickup line after watching the Steve Harvey show and it going terribly, terribly wrong when I was in third grade. And that was also us giving you the best DJ voice on the planet when a little love is in the air, Wes That's Bryant. right. No doubt about it. I'm sure that girl's dad wanted to uh, beat you into the turf. She didn't know. He didn't know. <laughs> I hope the parents didn't know because I probably wouldn't be here today. I don't know. I, how would you react if your 10-year-old daughter got a letter like that from an 8-year-old in a class that and you didn't even know this kid? Uh, how would you react? I'd probably say something derogatory uh, about his parents or something like that. Okay. But I wouldn't put hands on the young man. Now, if well, his no, father got stupid, then, you know, okay. all bets might be off. I appreciate you assuring <laughs> us that you wouldn't beat a child. I appreciate that. That's what's <laughs> Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Stay tuned for the Kyle Bailey Show alongside Smoke Ludwig. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. See you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend.